Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Hey, welcome to another edition to This Ain't No Game Show. And today's rendition of This Ain't No Game Show is a $100,000 pyramid. Before I get into that, before I invite some contestants up here, I just also want to make mention of that the ladies' ministry, Fearless, went off this past, was it Friday? And they had an awesome time. And so if you didn't show up, uh, there's going to be another one. And they've already begun preparing for that for Christmas and just all the fun activities. In fact, once you get a bunch of ladies together, watch out because they just take over. And so, again, it's going to be awesome. If you haven't uh, been a part of that, just come on out and uh, you'll enjoy that as well. You got wristbands or something, right? They're starting a movement or something. I need to get me a couple of those. Yeah, ladies, you can wear those. When your husband back talks to you, you can just say, I'm fearless. You know, (laughs) kind of like Wonder Woman. Yeah, anyways, praise the Lord. Hey, are you ready to play a round of a thousand or a hundred thousand dollar pyramid? I need two people. I need two contestants. Uh, Hopefully, do I have a husband and wife, a a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, somebody that just wants to square off with one another? I have one over here. Do I have another person? You want to you wanna come up with somebody? Anybody, come on. I need to. If you don't come up, then I don't have any opportunity to pull this off this morning. I just need to. All right, come on. There we go. Give them a round of applause. Come on, come on, come on. All right, what I need you to do, ladies, is I need you to come right up here, right across from the counter here at this table, and look at each other this way. And I don't know if you've ever played the game or have ever seen the game of a $100,000 pyramid, but what you do when you get to the final round is there's going to be one person that's going to give clues, and there's one that's going to be guessing what the answer might be. Tracking with me so far? All right. So here's the thing. Who's going to give the clues and who's going to guess the answer? You're going to give the answer, so you're going to give the clues. Okay, so as you give the clues, I'm so glad that you just jumped right in there and was excited to do so. All right, so here's how the game is played. Again, if you've never played it, uh, this might be very interesting, and we might be, be all laughing and having fun with you at your expense. But nevertheless, it will be fun. All right, so here's how the question goes. I'm going to give you a card that has a list of the answers, and you are going to try to give her clues to get her to say the answer that you're looking at. So, for instance... Let's just say the answer was things that are blue. So your response or your clues to her would be like the sky, water, my eyes. Right? And then she's going to be thinking things that are blue. That makes sense? Do I have to give you another example or do you think you got it? You think you have it. Do you think you have it? All right. Well, see, here's the thing. Here is the thing. Depending on how well you do, it is dependent upon how many hundred grand, how many hundred grands you get, all right? It's a hundred grand, exactly. And for that matter, for all of you that would like to get a hundred grand, there is a container just outside of the store. You can't leave now. You got to wait until after service. But afterwards, grab a hundred grand and tell everybody that my church gave me a hundred grand, okay? Are you ready? 
Are you ready? Okay, so now I need somebody to give me a clock. Give me a clock of three minutes. Now, three minutes is going to be extremely long compared to what they do on there because I think it's only a matter of 60 seconds. But because you've never played this before and because you're on the spot and because you were so excited to do this, we're just going to give you an extra two minutes. All right, are you ready? Now, you cannot say what's on here. You've got to give descriptions for her to say what you're wanting her to say. And if you hear a buzzer, that means you said the wrong clue, or you gave her the actual answer. Okay. Are you ready? Here we go, guys. Can you give them a round of applause real quick? Encourage them. There we go. All right, come on. And here is your clues, and the time begins now. Very good. <laughs> okay. Um, arm. Toes. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> um, Buick. Chevy. Um, there you go. Fiat, okay. Is that close enough? Yes. Okay. It was me. So that's good. Okay. Oh. Peanuts, um, hot dogs, apple pie, um, bat. Very good. Um, mm. One more. Cheese, pepperoni. Very good. Awesome. Way to go. Hey, give them a round of applause. Very good, guys. Come on. All right, you guys are going to have to split the 100 grand. All right. Hey, man. Wasn't that fun? Come on. Well, we like to have fun here at GVC. You realize that we don't like to always do things as church as usual. And so hopefully you like to do things that are just a little bit off the cuff because, again, you realize that God is not anything about tradition or religion. He's all about relationship and having a life that we can live together. Amen? And so if you'll notice, even as you walk out here, there is a selfie display where you can stick your face in there and say, this ain't no game show and promote your church. Come on. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, listen, I remember when I was a youth minister, I asked this question concerning these these young individuals. And back then, it seems like the culture of today is a little bit different. They would rather have a cell phone than anything else. But uh, asking the youth of, of this era, going back to 25 years ago when I was a youth minister, I asked them, I said, if you had the opportunity of getting a brand new car, but you had to wait until you graduated in order to get the car, Or you could get a car right now. It's an older car. It's got some rust on it. It's got lots of miles. You know, you got to have some maintenance up to it. I said, how many of you would want the beat up old car right now? And how many of you would want the brand new car after you graduated? Do you know what their response was? Their response was, give me the car right now. Rather than having a delayed gratification of saying, hey, I'll wait I'll get a brand spanking new car that has the good new car smell in it. No, I want it right now. And unfortunately, it seems as though that's how we as believers live this life with God. 
God says, I so desire for you to be blessed and for you to be increased and for you to have success in your life. But so many believers say, I want it right now and this is the way that I want it. And God says, I've got a system. I've got a way by which I can bless you and help you in this. And for that matter, it seems as though for for us as individuals, if God could just give us a big enough lump sum of money, it would solve everything. But how many of you know that this ain't no game show? (laughs) That's not how God functions, and that's not how God operates. Once again, if we could get a large enough sum of money, that would solve my problems. But you see, it's not about having lump sums of money that fixes problems. God desires for us to live a life of trusting Him to where it's an ongoing lifestyle of walking in the blessings of God. For God truly wants us to succeed, and He wants us to have more than enough. He doesn't want us to struggle contrary to a lot of popular church belief. God desires for us to have success and be comfortable in this life. I remember just a matter of a few years ago, I, I got blessed. Somebody had blessed my wife and I with a, a $1,000, and I can't remember what, what it was for. I, somebody blessed us. And in the midst of having that, I began to dissect that $1,000. I said, well, we've got our tithe, and we've got our offering, and then we could use this over here, and we can begin to appropriate money here. And I started pinching every penny of that thousand dollars. I began to stretch it. I began to pinch it. I began to try to appropriate every position of where that money would go. And God said to me, you're acting like I'm never going to get you money again. And I had to step back. I'm like, well, God, I'm so sorry. Come on. Once again, we live this life. If I would just get a lump sum of money, that would solve the problem rather than living a life where I just begin to trust God day by day. Day by day, day by day. God's desire is for us to trust Him in the daily affairs of our life. My wife and I, we've got some pastor friends, and uh, they started a church, oh, I don't know, maybe three, four, five years ago. And they're, they're doing well. But one of the things that we've noticed is that they have a relationship with their mom and dad in the sense of where their mom and dad are pastors for, oh, 30, 40 years. And they have been there. They've, they've seen the struggles of ministry. And so as a mom and dad that have been in ministry, they continually help their son and their daughter-in-law to succeed in ministry. And for my wife and I, we're sitting back thinking, oh, man, it sure must be nice. You know, give me a blank check. I love that. And it's real easy to respond from the natural side like, well, geez, must be nice being you. But we were talking the other day, or or not too long after that, and we were talking to our kids, and my boy, he says to me, he says, I want to be a pastor. And and my wife says, well, you want to pastor and help dad? No, I don't want to help dad. I want my own church. (laughs) And I'm like, come on, son. But it was in that moment when my little boy says, I want to pastor my own church, that all of a sudden the heart of a father says, whatever I could do to help my son succeed in ministry, I would do anything and everything I could. I would bend over backwards because ministry is hard. You deal with people. You're dealing with trying to stretch money. And I said, if there was something that I could do to help my son, I would do everything that I could to help him become a success. And God says, who am I, chopped liver? 
I'm your heavenly father. How come you're not asking me? How come you're not trusting me? The heart of, that you have as a father is the same heart that I have as a father towards you. What is it that you need and desire in your life? You have a heavenly father that loves you and wants you to succeed in life. But we're so scared and timid to ask God or go to God because God, there's all these other things. And God says, I just want to get involved in your life. In fact, that's part of the reason why he sent Jesus. In John's gospel, we see Jesus saying this. I shared this with you last week. But in John's gospel, Jesus came and said, the reason that I've come is that you might have life and life more abundantly. And then as we began to study out that word more abundantly, in the Greek, this is what it's defined as. Exceeding measure, rank, or need, over and above, more than is necessary, superadded, surplus, superabundance, superior in quality, superabundant in quality. And Dr. Strong's commentary, he was a Greek theologian, the, the, the commentary of Dr. Strong said, by implication, it means excessive. Jesus said, I've came that you would live a life excessively. And immediately, our religious bone starts to flare up and say, well, yeah, excessively. Yeah, I've heard about you kind of preachers before. What's wrong with being excessively blessed, excessively healthy, having a marriage that's excessive in the love that they share with one another, or or having kids that are excessive in their desire to follow God? What's wrong with that? Nothing. Because God desires, and the reason Jesus came, or one of the reasons, is that this life would be a life that we can live in excess. But that's not just excluded to all those nice things. God says, I want you to live life experiencing the excess to where you don't have to struggle in life. How many of you know that that's not the heart of God? He wants you to be able to succeed in this life to where you don't have to struggle. Come on. If I was standing up here with jeans that were up to my knees because they were too short, I had shoes on that had holes in them, and you could see my big toe, and my big toe and my sock had a hole in it, so you actually see my toe. And my hair is all, right? And I'm unshaved, and I'm just looking a mess up here. Would you say, wow, you represent your God good. He must be a good God. Man, I, I tried to drive my car today, but my car didn't work, so I had to pedal my bike. Good God you serve. No, God wants us to represent Him well. And He wants to take care of His kids. Now you realize that God isn't going to take care of His kids beyond the measure that you have the maturity to handle it. you got to get that. Come on, am I talking to the right crowd today? He wants us to succeed and He wants us to increase. And so as I share in these next couple weeks, I really want you to just to hang on to what we're talking about. Because this has the potential of saying, oh, that's what we're talking about. I'll see you in a few weeks. Now, God wants you to hear this because he loves you. Amen? He wants you to experience the life that he desires. And if you remember over in Matthew chapter 6, it says this, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says, listen, he says, everybody has needs. Everybody does. 
He says, but why do you worry? He says, don't you know that my father loves you? And he'll take care of your natural needs, your housing, your clothing, what you'll eat. He says, that's just what he does. He says, so don't worry. Don't get anxious. Don't take thought and say, God, how is this going to ever come to pass? He says, no. He says, your heavenly father loves you and he knows exactly what you have need of. Just like everybody else has the same needs that you do. But he makes a very powerful statement in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Things shall be added unto you. The very things that he was talking about. Your house, your clothes, your food. The things that you always have the opportunity to be anxious about. He says, this is how you address that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things shall be added. Now it's funny because as we look at those words, we just look at them at a surface level and we don't really hear the heart of what Jesus is saying. But in the Greek, the word kingdom actually means authority. Jesus is saying, seek your authority as a believer. And also seek my righteousness. Well, why would I have to seek righteousness if I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus? If I already have it, if I'm already righteous, why would I have to seek something that I already have? It's because that's not what Jesus is saying. The word righteousness means rightness with God. God's way of doing things or the right way of doing things. So we could simply say it this way. Seek God's kingdom, which is your authority as a believer. And then he says, seek God's system of doing things. And when you find out the system of how God does things, all these things will be added unto you. Now, I shared some similar things, oh, when we first got into this building. I mean, we were packed out. I mean, people were coming to find out who GVC was. And the third message that we preached with all these new people was a message similar to this right now. Had I to do it all over again, I wouldn't talk about this right then. Because, I mean, it cleared everybody out. I mean, people that had been coming for three weeks, we started talking about God's system of of blessing us. And all of a sudden, people said, oh, I'll go somewhere else. Because they don't talk about that. But listen, it's important for us to hear this because when we hear this, we begin to understand how God creates an exchange to bless us. Here's what I want you to hear in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18. Notice what it says here. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant or his promise, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He says, I give you power to get wealth, and in this it establishes my covenant or my promise to you. Once again, as we look at those words, it's a little bit blind to us. But as we look into the Hebrew, the Bible tells us that the word power is translated as wealth. So we could say it this way. He gives you or gives us wealth in order to get wealth that it might establish his covenant, the promises of God. He says, I'll give you wealth to get wealth. And immediately we're saying, well, how in the world does God do that? 
I want you to know something. God funds his system. He says, I've given you a system to trust me, to see me bless you and increase you in your life. And I even fund it so that you can experience it. Well, what's the catch? The catch is, is that we merely have to trust God. I've got to trust him. I've got to trust that God truly has my best interest at heart. Man, I've talked to so many people over the years, and so many people are skittish when it comes to churches, and they talk about money, and it's like, well, you know, it's just a big scam, it's a big game. But how many of you know that God has your best heart and interest at heart? And he says, there's a system by which I can begin to help you succeed and increase. God's system, God's economy begins with something very significant that people don't like to talk about. And it's called the tithe. The tithe. He says, there is a system by which I've given my church to initiate this exchange of blessing. And my system begins with the tithe. Now, for some, you may say, well, what is the tithe? What does that mean? What does it look like? Well, we'll look at some scripture in just a moment. But the word tithe means the tenth. And when we look at the scripture, what God says is that it is the first tenth. The tenth of our increase. The tenth of the income that we bring in. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, this is what it says. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And the first fruits, or the tithe, of all your increase. So what does that mean? That means every single person has an opportunity to have a paycheck, to have increase come into their life. And God says, this is the way that you honor me. You take 10% and you give it back to me. And he says, now... Here's the condition of the heart. He says, the first fruits. Now, in the Old Covenant, what it would talk about, or in the Old Testament, as we read, they would take the the first tenth of their increase or the harvest or the fields, and they would give it unto God as a sacrifice. And so what God is saying, when it comes to this tenth or this tithe, your heart is to say, I make it first. Because what we oftentimes do in our society, and our culture, is we say, God, I'll see if I can fit it in, if I can pay the bills, if I can get this squared away, and if I have any left over, God, I'll try to give you some. But God says the heart of it is, and what I'm looking for, is for you to say, God, I'm going to honor you, and before I even worry about the bills, I'm going to come and bring my sacrifice to you to worship and honor you. And God says, when you do that, it creates an exchange, and it allows me to bring increase into your life. Amen. Now, again, I know that this is, can be heavy at times, but hang on, because this is good news for us. Because this is not about getting something from you. God has established a system by which he can get something to you. And you've got to hear that. How many of you as parents manipulate your children to get something from them? You don't. I mean, you might bribe them to do something to get them to do their, <laughs> their chores or something. 
But at the end of the day, really, your heart is that you would make every sacrifice possible so that your kids could get ahead in life, right? And God says, I'm, I'm establishing a system so you can get ahead in life and get further ahead than those that are around you. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says, All the tithe belongs to the Lord. All the tithe belongs to the Lord. So here's where I said the Bible says that God gives you power to get wealth or wealth to get wealth. Did you ever notice that when it came to your salvation experience, God didn't have you sign out a W-9 form or 1099 and, and promise to have an exchange of a tithe and it would come right out of your check? No, God says, you've got increase in your life. You've got tithe that I let you have. I place it in your hands. Now, just in the event that there's any question, he says, all the tithe belongs to me. Now, what are you going to do with it? Because I give it as a free will opportunity for you to trust me. Amen? So, oftentimes what we end up doing, and again, it's, it's easy to do when we start looking at all the numbers, we'll say, well, God, I know this should be my tithe, but I'll give you a portion of it just because I want to do something. God says, not a portion of the tithe is mine. He says, all the tithe is mine. What are you going to do with it? I give it to you. I give you that wealth into your hands to give back to me so that I can give back to you. Have you ever noticed that God doesn't demand it? God doesn't take it? And God certainly doesn't punish us if we don't. How many of you love the IRS? How many of you got that call from them and said, Hey, uh, just wanted to give you an option. Do you want to pay your taxes this year? <laughs> no, that's never happened, is it? In fact, uh, we just talked with an individual that just, they got behind in taxes and they finally got them paid up. Praise the Lord. I mean, it was a day of celebration. But why did they have to get caught up with their taxes? Because the IRS kept good records and says, hey, by the way, you didn't pay that. And in fact, it comes with penalty. It comes with increase. It comes with all this other stuff. But you're going to give it back to us. Aren't you glad that God is not that way? Come on, that's good news. I said, God is not that way. He's not up there saying, I demand it, and if you don't do it, I'm going to punish you. The IRS says, if you have a large enough amount of money, you go to jail. Right? And God says, listen, I'm giving you the opportunity to trust me. I'm giving you the opportunity to trust me. Now, here's the thing. I realize when we have this conversation, people really get a little tight-jawed with it and say, well, bless God, I'm going to go to that church down the road. I'm not going here because they talk about this stuff. Well, you can go to a church down the road, and, and, and you can go to a church that never talks about it. They don't let you off the hook. They don't change God's word. It just means you gave your way of yourself a way of escape so that you don't have to be accountable does that make sense god says i'm looking to bless you and increase you in your life 
And he says, I've established that through this thing, this system called the tithe. Now, if God leaves it up to me, and if God doesn't punish me, then why do I struggle in this idea of giving tithe? Because if I don't give tithe, then I've got 10% more in my hand to spend, right? Isn't that what it's all about? And the reality is, is that when we struggle with that, we don't understand the benefits of God's heart. We don't understand the benefits of what the tithe actually brings. Let me read to you in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. For anybody, that would give the argument and say, Well, praise the Lord, that was in the Old Testament. No, it was just in the front part of the book. God didn't say that it changed anything. He says, I'm the Lord your God. He says, I I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you, God? God answers and says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. And he goes on to express it a little bit more in verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not be able to destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vines of, uh, shall, shall fail to bear fruit uh, for you in the fields, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. When you choose to hold on to your tithe, remember, God puts it in your hands. He gave you the wealth and says, okay, what are you going to do with it? God says when you, hold on, <clears throat> excuse me, when you hold on to it, what did God call us? Called us a robber. He says, you're a robber. You're stealing from me when you don't bring in or when you don't bring the tithe. Right? But then he goes on to say this. He says, there's a curse. Now, see, once again, this is where people have said, God's mad at you. He's cursing you. No, that's not what God said. God says, hey, I love you. And I want to bring something to your attention. There's a curse that's going on right now. The enemy, the devourer, has the opportunity, an open door to mess with your life. And this curse is, is, is messing with you. It's messing with your livelihood, your finances. It's messing with your marriage, your household. It's messing with your kids. He says, this is going, going rampant in your home. He says, I'm letting you know. Because if I let you know, you can close the door. If I can let you know, then you can stop the curse. If I can let you know, you can reverse that and allow God's blessing to start coming into your life. Now you say, how do I know whether or not the curse is operating in my life? Well, number one, are you a tither? If you're not, then the curse is functioning at some place. Have you said something like this? It doesn't feel like my money 
reaches as far as it needs to. Well, if you're saying my money doesn't reach as far as it needs to, the Bible actually calls that poverty. Are you falling behind with the things that are essential, the essential bills in your life? If you're falling behind and this the essentials, then the curse is starting to show up. Is duct tape your best friend to where you use duct tape to keep the car together and everything else? Because, dear God, everything just seems to be falling apart. And if I didn't have the duct tape, it wouldn't work. Once again, if you're using duct tape, you might find out that the curse is working in your life. Things don't seem to last. The money is consistently a conversation within our home. Money is, is, is a cause of strife. Does your spouse make poor financial decisions? See, all these things, and there's so many other things that we could talk about, but really are introducing and allowing the curse to come into our lives. And this is what God says. He says, return to me, and I will return back to you. See, God's not saying, hey, you've left me. You've walked away from me. You've turned your back on me. He says, no. He says, you just stop giving your tithe. He says, if you'll return back to me the tithe, I have an opportunity to return back to you. He says, you've been saying, God, it just don't seem like it's working. God, it just seems like life is hard. He says, return. Return and, and keep the ordinances. And it gives me the opportunity to be that good, good father. Not that I don't want to. Not that I've been not desiring to. But my hands have been tied because that curse is working. And he says, all you got to do is turn it around by saying, I'm going to choose to be a tither. Can you say amen? amen? He goes on to say this. Now, all of us at some point in time have struggled with this idea of tithe. I don't sit here to say, well, it's just easy. No, it takes faith. I understand that. But to show you how simple it is, this little dime, that's all it is. Ten cents of every dollar is all God ever asks. And it's fair because you could make a million dollars or you could make $10,000 a year and it's still fair because all she asks is for 10%. That doesn't look like anything when you just hold the dime. But it's when you start collecting dimes together and it starts to make a bigger amount that we start to struggle right? Notice what God said the people said in Malachi. He said, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, we, how have we spoken against you? He says, you have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is that? What profit is it that we have kept his ordinances and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? What does that sound like? God this tithing thing don't work. This th- God, every time I go to give tithe, it feels like a funeral. I'm mourning. Oh, dear God. This thing don't work, God. And he says, listen, why are you saying that? It's because you haven't trusted me. Come on. God says... I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll remove the curse. And he said, 
if you struggle in giving your tithe, then you've not really understood the exchange. Because it's not about getting money from you. It's about me being able to get blessing to you. Come on. When you write the check, when you fill out the envelope, do you feel that mourning on the inside? Oh, God, it hurts. When you drive up to the ATM machine, it's like, oh, dear God. <laughs> when you know that it's going to have an automatic withdrawal, you're like, oh, dear God, I could use that. Why are you mourning? It's because we don't know the goodness of God. And therefore, we're not able to step out and have faith that God will honor His Word. Let me ask you this question. When you've got money, if it's a $1 bill or a $100 bill, they're both the same. Did you know that? It's just paper. It's just got different ink printed on it. When you die... And as your body's in the grave, does it really make a difference if this piece of paper has $1 printed on it or this dollar or this piece of paper has 100 printed on it? It don't benefit you nothing. It's just paper. Are you here this morning? It's just paper. But yet we seem to esteem this paper in such a high regard. If I can't trust God with this paper while I'm living, can I truly trust God with my soul for eternity? It's really a sobering question, isn't it? Because it's just paper. And it does nothing to save my soul. Just some man said, put 100 on that one, put 50 on that one, put 20 on that one, put 5 and 1's on that one. And again, it doesn't benefit your soul. But if I can't trust God in that, where he says, I'm just wanting an opportunity to bless you and increase you and give you a life that you can live excessively if you distrust the system. How can I really save, or how can I trust him to save my soul? Amen? Jeremiah, I'm almost done. Jeremiah 3 verse 15 says, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed, who will feed you with wisdom and knowledge. Did you notice in Malachi he says, Bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there might be food in my house. A pastor shepherd feeds you. And therefore you get wisdom and understanding to live this life. God associates your wisdom and feeding with being a giver and that there is an exchange. Why? Because when you step out to trust God in the tithe, it gives you the opportunity to be able to hear and feed spiritually where you begin to have wisdom and knowledge. Listen, you can steal information, but you can't steal revelation. And revelation, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that you get through the feeding of the Word of God is directly correlated with your tithe. Is that tracking? Are you tracking with me? Now listen. Listen. If you say that 
I can't tithe. I can't afford to tithe. Then let me just tell you right now, you're living outside of your means. Now, listen, if you're new to this church, forgive me for talking so strong. If you're just a new person to church altogether, and you're thinking, I just, I'm trying to figure this out, and you're thinking, dear God, you're talking about money. Listen, I understand we're all in different places growing, and so please don't hear this as being hard. But if you're a person that says, I've been walking with God, but I can't afford to tithe, then you are living outside of your means, and that little measly 10% is not going to put you over. So what do you need to do? You need to exercise some godly wisdom and downsize your life because you are hurting and you know it. And that little 10% is not making the difference. Well, I don't want to get rid of that. Life would be so much easier. I don't want to sell that. Listen, God's peace is just around the corner. Stop living outside of your means. Come on, is that hitting home? I'm preaching to the choir too because I'm right in the same shoes. I've got to live this just like you. If money seems to be extremely hard to let go of when it comes to God, I want to challenge you that you just haven't seen how good God is yet. Two verses, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. That word rich simply means a full supply, abundantly provided for. Psalms 35, verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who, takes ple- who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God gets happy. When you get ahead. God gets happy when you succeed. God doesn't care what kind of car you drive. Just as long as that car doesn't put you in the hole or in debt. He doesn't care what neighborhood you live in. What house you live in. As long as it's not robbing from him. He actually takes pleasure. Because that tells on him that he's a good, good father. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to challenge you. As we've begun this message, coming into the holiday season, I realize it's one of those times where it's like, this is tough to hear at this time of year. But I want to challenge you to take a 90-day challenge. To say, God, I'm going to trust you with this thing called the tithe. And prove God. God says, test me in it and see if I won't honor my word. And if God does not honor his word in the next 90 days, then you can go somewhere else. Because I know that God is faithful. Now, I'm just going to put this before you as a church just because you are the church. This isn't a pressure point tactic, but I'm just going to let you know. In the last couple months, we've not met the budget. But God's been faithful. Well, how do we make the budget? We just become faithful. And so I want to challenge you. 
Will you trust God? Will you trust God and say, God, either your word works or it doesn't. Either you're real or you're not. Either you're faithful or you're not. And God, I choose to make this next step of faith and say, for the next 90 days, God, I'm going to trust you. So what does that mean? It takes you through the holidays. I get it. It takes you into the first part of the new year. I get it. It takes you into February. I get it. But if God is God, he will honor his word. God is faithful and he so loves you. And it's time for us to shine. It's time for us to be God's kids and represent him the way he desires. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to pray and we're just going to dismiss you. They'll play us as we go out because I think I went long. So forgive me once again. Did I go long, Jordan? He gives me the wink. (laughs) All right, let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person in this place. God, first of all, I pray that we had ears to hear rightly, that no offense was taken, that we hear and see the word of God as it was spoken, and that, God, we're going to purpose to trust you because you're faithful. God, you're so good. And so, God, we just thank you that you're going to give us the wisdom, give us the strength, and just give us the ability to serve you in our tithe. And we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You still love me? to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life